Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. And if you're going through a difficult time right now, remember, it's only for a season. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, again, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 27. I entitled this message, Compromise. As you remember, back in the study in Genesis 25, a couple studies ago, Isaac had prayed for his wife, Rebecca, for they had been married for some 20 years, and Rebecca had not been able to have children. She was faced with the same problem as Isaac's mother faced. And what was that? She wasn't able to bear children either. But after he had prayed for his wife, Rebecca, God had opened her womb. And she conceived not just one, but two children. She had twins. And from what Rebecca described was going on inside of her, she says it was like a civil war going on in her womb. These babies were fighting one another. I can't imagine having a baby in the first place, but you ladies get this. But imagine having twins and they're going at it. It was like the octagon. It was like a cage fight inside of her. So she went to the Lord and she prayed about this and God actually spoke to her. She said that the boys inside of her womb represented two different nations and two different people. Now that obviously stuck in Rebecca's heart, hearing that from the Lord himself. For God also told her that the older brother would serve the younger brother. Well, as you know, when the babies were born, the firstborn was named Esau. Now, Esau means hairy one, okay? So the first baby comes out, and this guy is covered with hair. He looked like a monkey, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, he was hairy. And the second son was born literally just a second behind the first one. In fact, he was hanging on to the heel of Esau. Imagine that. You're the firstborn. How much older are you than your brother? Uh, one second. Well, that's it. That's all it took. But anyway, so he was holding on to his brother's heel. And they named him Jacob, which means heel catcher. But it also has another meaning. It means deceiver. That's kind of odd. And as these two boys grew up, Isaac really loved his son Esau. 
And why is that? Well, I think us men, we, you know, love our sons. We want them to be a little on the tougher side. And and Esau, he was like what you could say was a man's man. He was a hunter. And maybe all the other men around said, man, your son, man, he is like a beast. Man, he gets out there and he hunts big game and all of these things. And, you know, there's probably a little pride attached to that. But yet it says that Rebecca, his wife, loved the younger son, the one second younger son. And that was Jacob, of course. And Jacob, the Bible says, he liked to hang out in the tents with his mother. Maybe he liked to help in the kitchen. Maybe he was like, you know, like to bake a cake or something, you know. So, you know, mama just really loved him. And it didn't take long for Jacob, though, to outsmart his brother Esau. Now, I'm sure that his, a little prompting from his mother, we're going to see about that here in a moment. But as he talked to Esau, he ended up talking him out of his birthright. Esau didn't seem to have a heart, nor the desire to serve God, to be that future leader of his family. Yes, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. We looked at that in an earlier study. I wonder if any of us have ever sold out our integrity of who God has called us to be as men and women of God for something that was, well, so much less, for something that is temporal, for something that's going to fade away. Well, I'm sure we have. I think I have definitely done things I have not been proud of in my life, that's for sure. But this is why we have this example in the Bible. Things are here and given to us so that we can grow from these things and not make the same mistakes over and over again. That we have to purpose in our heart and remind ourselves to do what is right. For we too could allow our own desires to usurp God's eternal plan that he has for you and for me. Yes, in only a moment, we could allow ourselves to step out of God's perfect plan and purpose for us. Just some stupid mistake that we make, and then all of a sudden it might affect us for longer than you could ever imagine. Well, we ended last time with God's hand of blessing on Isaac and Rebekah's life. He blessed them overwhelmingly, for they listened and obeyed God. That's why he blessed them. Think about that. It wasn't because they claimed something. It wasn't because they embraced some faith teacher. It was because they listened and they obeyed what God had told them to do. And God blessed that obedience. So much so that all the people groups that were around them envied them, and they were even afraid of them. This is a sign of God working in and through our lives as Christians. Not that people are afraid of us, but that people recognize that God is working inside of our lives. Why? Because they can see the blessing hand of God on us. Yet, when we as Christians have no discernible signs that separate us from non believers around us, like when we look like everyone else looks around us, see, something is wrong with that. 
See, people should be able to look at us and see that something is different inside of us. And if they can't see that, let me ask you, if they can't see it in your life, why is that? Like if we were to go to your job and where you work and your neighbors and say, hey, hey, what do you think about your neighbor that is a Christian? What is it about them that really strikes you? And they might say, uh, what? They're a Christian? Huh? Really? Oh, I never knew that. See, that should never be said about you or me. You know, the unsaved world, if they can't see Christ in us, that's really a sad thing. And If you're someone who is bitter, if you're someone who is angry all the time, if you're someone who's lacking joy, like maybe you look like you got baptized in lemon juice or something, it's like, you know, that's not good because our witness for Christ matters in this life. When people look at me, man, the last thing I want them to see is me. I want them to see Christ In me is what I want them to see. So there should be those traits of a believer in us. Not that our lives are perfect, obviously, because none of us are perfect, for we're all subject to the hardships and the pain like everyone else is in this world. And when our circumstances turn sour, and they turn sour at times, trust me, I mean, if everything's going good for you right now, that's great. But it could turn sour at any time. For we will have seasons, as you know, of hardship that we must navigate through as believers. But God has promised to us, and this is what separates us from everyone else in the world, or at least this is what's supposed to separate us, because God will never leave us or forsake us. So when we go through hardships like everyone else goes through hardships, There should be the difference of a joy and a peace in the midst of those hardships, even though we're going through those difficulties in life. I want people to see joy in me. I want to be someone that's able to talk to people and encourage them in the midst of this. You know, I went over to Home Depot just a couple days ago, and by the way, they have one of the biggest parking lots that you could imagine, the one over here on Jefferson on the west side here, and it took me forever to find a parking place because the place was packed. I mean, I went inside, I'm like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen this many people in Home Depot. I mean, every single line, when I got the thing that I had to buy, I had to wait in a line of like 10 people. I mean, every cash register line, all the self-checkout, packed everywhere. It's amazing how places like that are essential, but then they say that churches aren't essential, but well, hey, praise God for the Supreme Court ruling, and hey, that's why we're meeting here on Sunday mornings. But anyway, with all of that said, uh, that's beside the point. But my point is this. When I did finally get up to the cash register and I was talking to the gal, uh, she got done you know, ringing up what I was purchasing, and I said, hey, excuse me, uh, can I ask you a question? She says, yeah, sure. And I said, when's the last time that someone told you there's a God in heaven that loves you? And she just stopped and looked at me. And, I mean, there's tons of people in line, but I didn't care. I'm just like, hey, I waited all this time. You can wait a couple more minutes. And she goes, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And, you know, I gave her one of our cards. And, you know, she took it. She didn't like, oh, no, get this disinfectant out. Spray it down. No, she just took the card. And she said, hey, you know what? 
I think I might check your church out. I mean, look, the bottom line is we have the message of hope in the midst of these difficulties. And that's what should separate us from everyone else. Because I'm not going to walk around like, oh, my goodness, is that six feet? Let me get my tape measure out. Is your mask on over your nose? I'm I'm not going to freak out on people like that. Did I have a mask on? Yes. Do I try to socially distance? Absolutely. But I'm not going to freak out over it. But again, this should be a trait of a true believer. They're not angry. They're not bitter. You know, they're not just having a chip on their shoulder with life and everything that's happened in this year of COVID. But anyway, getting back to where we left off last time with hearing of God's tremendous ongoing blessings in the life of Isaac and Rebecca. But as you remember, when we ended chapter 26, it said that Esau, the eldest son there, had married two unbelieving wives, two women who were not following the Lord and didn't have any desire to have a relationship with him. Yes, in the midst of God overwhelmingly blessing Isaac and Rebekah, the Bible said that Esau brought grief to both of his parents. Yes, things can be going great with our lives on every front, yet that's when the enemy will attack. Remember what Jesus said, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And sometimes when things are going great with us individually, the devil will attack our children or attack a family member or he'll attack a a close friend of ours. Yes, at any moment, things can go into a tailspin this side of heaven. And that's, again, it just confirms what we already know. It is never going to be heaven on earth. It will only be heaven in heaven. And on earth, circumstances can change at any given moment. But thank God, he always holds our futures. When I say our, I mean Christians. True believers, he holds our futures in his hand. And if you're going through a difficult time right now, remember, it's only for a season. It's just a season. And God will get you through this time, no matter what it is. I mean, think about all the other times that you've gone through hardships. Hasn't God got you through? Are you not watching today? Are you not listening to this message? I mean, how many things in your life have turned upside down? At times, I know that in my life, many things have turned upside down, but yet God has always been there for me. I've been a believer now for 43 years. That's a long time. It's like, I can't believe it's been that long. But listen, God has never left me. He's never forsaken me. And every time we've gone through valleys, every time we've gone through hardships, every time we've gone through deserts, the Lord has always been there. But now, moving on, as we continue in this study through the book of Genesis, we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 27. And we're going to consider three points here today in our message in light of our title, Compromise. Number one, the deception starts. A deception is going to start here. Number two, the deception thickens. Oh, when you think we've already deceived? No, we're going to deceive a little bit more. And number three, the deception's reality. That's right. There's a reality to deception, and that's what it is. So let's look at our first point, the deception starts. Now, this really 
started back in chapter 25 when Jacob conned his brother Esau, his older brother, by one second out of his birthright. Now, let's not forget what the Bible said about birthrights. According to Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17, there would be given a double portion of the full inheritance to the eldest son, even if he was only one second older. Now, it's obvious here in our text that Jacob's mother, Rebekah, was the fire behind this deception. And the trading of the bean soup for Esau's birthright, I think uh, Jacob had a little bit of help on that and his mother telling him that he needs to get that birthright. But this will make even more sense here as we see what's about to happen here in chapter 27. Isaac's wife, Rebecca, Jacob's mother here, wanted her favorite son, Jacob, the one that would hang out in the kitchen and bake cakes with her, to be the sole inheritor of the blessings from God. And in her defense, God did tell her back in Genesis 25 that the elder son would serve the younger. Now, how would that have happened without Rebecca interfering? Well, guess what? We'll never know <laughs> because Rebecca interfered. You know, she jumped in there. She couldn't wait for God to work it out. Now, look, God told her, but no, she's going to get in there and get her hands dirty in this. For again, normally the birthright would always go to the eldest son. And even though Esau was only a second older than Jacob, Jacob was again the younger brother. But again, Rebecca felt the need, listen, she felt the need to help God out. Oh, yes, she's going to help God on the promise that God already made to her. Know this. God doesn't need any of our help. Did you hear that? God doesn't need our help in any circumstance or in any situation that is happening around us. I wonder how many times that you and me have been guilty of doing the very same thing that Rebecca did. And how many times we end up making it worse because we get involved, causing more heartache, causing more drama, causing more hardship. This is why we cannot allow our lack of patience to bend or try to force the hand of God. I see this all the time. I see it in many different situations. For example, like Christian singles. You're thinking, oh, you're going to pick on the singles again? Don't pick on the singles. Well, I'm not trying to pick on you. I just want to bring out an obvious thing that I've observed in my life here as a pastor. If you're single today, let me ask you this. Do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth? Do you believe that he's the one that made everything? That he is the creator as the Bible says that he is? Let me ask you another question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came to the earth, was born from a virgin, grew up to be a man, and died on the cross for our sin? Do you believe that as a Christian? You say, well, yeah, absolutely I do. Do you believe that God's promise of heaven is real, that when we die, we're going to go to heaven? Do you believe that? You say, well, of course I am. That's why I'm a believer. That's why I'm a Christian. Okay, good. If so, then... Is not God capable, I'm asking you singles, is not God capable of bringing that person into your life? 
That's the question. Is God not capable of doing that? Is he able to do that? That's the question. Well, of course he is. Of course he's able to. Well, then why do you try to help God so much in making that happen? Is it really just up to us? Are we really the only ones that can find Mr. or Mrs. Perfect? Well, again, the obvious answer is no. It it shouldn't be up to us. Then why do we try and rush the process? Not realizing that by dating whoever you want, jumping from relationship to relationship, and by doing that, instead of just waiting for the man or the woman that God has for you. See, you could actually listen, singles, you could actually jeopardize his perfect choice for you because you are dating the wrong person. Yet there are some that would say, but listen, pastor, I got a bone to pick with you on this. I have been waiting. You don't even realize how hard it is. No, I'm not saying I don't realize how hard it is. It's hard to wait. It's hard to wait for anything, for any Christian on anything that we've been praying for. But you're saying, I've been waiting for years. Well, I might want to ask you this. Maybe you've held up the process. How is that? Well, maybe because you were dating this person and that person, when the right one was there, they passed on by to someone else because you were preoccupied with someone else. Or maybe, just maybe, God is trying to do a work in your life. Listen, maybe he's trying to prepare you to be the right person for who he desires to give you. Like, listen here, fellas. Like, what if, you know, you're saying, oh, God, just bring the little princess into my life. Okay, that's great. Here's God's got his little princess. Here's his godly little princess. You got some areas in your life that are a little on the rough side. God's not going to give his little precious princess to you until you clean up your act. Because God wants to bless you and her. Okay, so sometimes God is working things out in our lives to prepare us for that future spouse. You know, some of you ladies, it's like, listen, you know, God wants you to be the better half of a man. Are you ready to be that better half, or is it all about you? Oh, yes, when I meet my godly man, he's going to serve me. I'm going to be his little princess, and he's going to do everything for me. Uh, What if God has you to be a servant to him, or vice versa. But see, the point is this. God might have to do a work in you to prepare you before he gives his best to you. And if you're not willing for that work to happen in your heart, then you, my friend, are prolonging God giving you the person that he desires to give you. Look, that could go a lot deeper. We have a whole Bible study on that, but just take whatever you can on that. Now our first point, the deception starts. Let's read here, beginning in Genesis chapter 27. Of course, we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, now it came about when Isaac was old. Okay, he's old. And his eyes were too dim to see. So he's like half blind here. That he called his older son Esau and said to him, my son, here I am. Verse 2 says, Isaac said, Behold, now I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take, you know, your gear, your quiver, and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt some game for me, and prepare a savory dish for me, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, so that I, my soul, would be blessed before I die. So Rebecca, 
verse 5, was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went out to the field to hunt for the game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me, that I might eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me. I command you, go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there, and I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it in to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death, obviously, and not Esau. Verse 11, Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, Well, behold, Esau, my brother, he's a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. I don't have the hair that he has. Perhaps my father will feel me. See, he knew his dad's eyesight was bad, but maybe he'll touch me and feel me, and I will be as a deceiver in his sight, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, your curse be on me My son, only obey my voice and go get them for me. So he went and he got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 